Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Ben, do you feel what everything's headed in the uh, in the wrong direction, and is something you can turn around or fix quickly? Yeah, you know what? Um, we've lost two. We're facing some adversity, but we're not we're not hitting the panic button. Um, you know, offensively, we're not very good. Uh, and right now, we're not playing good football, and that starts with me. So, uh, you know, we all need to, to look in the mirror. And like I said, it starts with me and, and, and understand that, that we all need to be better. And, um, you know, I think that we will be. I think this is a team that's got a lot of resilience, um, that is resilient and, and, and understands what it takes to win football games and understands what time of year it is and that um, the way we're playing right now is unacceptable. So, of course, that's Big Ben Roethlisberger after the Steelers dropped their second straight, this time to the surging Buffalo Bills. And for me, Kurt, we have four kind of glaring problems with the Steelers right now that I think even a fourth grader could see, let alone me. We got, we got a quarterback who can't throw it deep, right? And that's an issue that you identified early on. You were all over that really early in the season. And I think Steelers fans kind of had the torches and pitchforks out. They're ready to get you and ready to get oh, me yeah. for, uh, for, for having the audacity to, to suggest that Ben couldn't throw it deep. And we were questioning, is it his age? Is it, is it his elbow? But that's a thing that's continued all year long. He just can't throw it deep, and defenses do not have to respect that. Obviously, the receivers and the tight ends are having a hard time holding on to that football, and we'll get into that because I, I have some takes on that. The defense just – they've been just riddled by injuries, and that's, that's hurt the team. There's no doubt about it. And I think does that have to do with the gauntlet of games they've played? I know they've played a lot in the last, what, 12 days, three games in 12 days, whatever it is. Has that caught up to them? And then, of course – the glaring issue we keep talking about it we just can't stop talking about and that's because they just can't freaking run the football and I think those are the four glaring issues that are really plaguing the team right now and maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that they're struggling they finally lost a couple games here but what's your leadoff take right now where the Steelers are at you know I think with the Steelers what you're looking at is they've got three games to play and next week is really the one that matters if they beat the Bengals they win the AFC North probably lock themselves into a two or three seed and and then they can try to figure out what's wrong. But I think for this week, they've had a month to figure this out. I mean, they've had they've had a month to figure out why they can't run the football. They've had a month to try to to sort out how they can have a more effective passing game. This is probably as good as it's going to get, unless the Steelers get some time off, unless they get some rest. And you know, like you said, we've been talking about Ben and his arm since early in the season, and I think the problem with it is is every once in a while you see him pop off a long throw and everybody says, oh, see, his arm's fine. Well, no, you make three long throws a game out of 55 tries. That doesn't mean your arm's okay. It means that you were able to pull it together for about three good throws, and then 
two of them were probably overthrows. I think that at this point, as far as Roethlisberger goes, I, I, in fact, I've been working on a piece about this. I think this is what he is. I think this is as good as it's going to get. I think that we have a, an offensive line that on paper looks like they could really pass protect, but I think that's because they have to get rid of the ball in 2.2 seconds. And I think he recognizes that he probably doesn't have more time than that back there. We saw it against Buffalo several times when, when Ben couldn't get that, that dump off or that underneath throw. He had to kind of run around a little bit because the offensive line can't pass protect. And any offensive line can do okay when they only have to, to hold up their blocker for two seconds. That's, it's the same thing with, with the, the, the injuries on that side of the ball. You know, they can't run the football because the offensive line is a bunch of guys and Marquise Pouncey basically at this point. I don't know. I, I just don't think I, I don't think they're going to be able to, to take these four things, and I think you're exactly right. Those are your four problems. We're, they're not going to get healthy on defense. Yeah, they're going to get Vince Williams back when he comes off the COVID list. Joe Hayden, you know, says he's playing this week, coming out of concussion protocol. But they're not getting that other inside linebacker back. They're not getting another edge rusher opposite of T.J. Watt. Alex Highsmith's a nice player. He might have a bright future in this league. But you can just see the, the level of energy and intensity that Bud Dupree brought is just gone. Mm. I mean, that, that especially in run support. I said when, they, when, when Dupree went down, where they're going to miss him is that coming across the line on those, on those run plays. And they just don't have a guy now opposite of Watt that they can do that. You listen to the to the players talk after the game. You listen to Coach Tomlin talk after the game, and you can just tell this is a team that that, that doesn't have any answers. You know, Cam Hayward is talking about it all went to hell after the first quarter. Mike Tomlin, you know, two weeks ago was all fired up in his press conference. Now this week, after a couple of losses, he's just kind of going with it and, and really doesn't show and show a lot of energy. And then you get Roethlisberger get up there and he has to do his little line about, well, if I'm just not good enough, maybe I need to hang him up. And, you know, we've heard that, that line from him before. I think it's great that he wants to fall on his sword every time things aren't going the offense's way. But at some point, that's not taking responsibility for it, talking about it at a press conference. Throw on Wednesdays. You know, get out there with your receivers. Don't take that extra vet day off. Get out there and play football with Deontay Johnson and Eric Ebron through the week, and maybe they won't drop passes on the weekends. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that they could do to address this other than just words. You got to think like, how'd they get into this funk? Like, what happened? Because they were kind of rolling around, along. Like, I think you kind of tongue in cheek even wrote about it. Like, they're the most criticized eleven and two team out there. Nobody thinks they're any good. And they're eleven and two, yeah. and they were eleven and zero not long ago. But something happened. Yeah. It was during that long. It felt like it was something happened during that long, postponed game against the Ravens. Right? They went out and played like hot yeah. garbage against the Ravens. Tomlin yeah. says we sucked after the game. Basically, you know that's all. That was his whole presser. You know the sound bites. Yeah. Is that just the team kind of being like, "Woe is me!" Like, "Oh, look what we had to do. We had to wait all this time to play the Ravens, yeah. and now our schedule." Yeah. Like, are they that? I don't want to call them soft because I know Pouncey's not going to hear that. But uh, like, <laughs> like. Is, but is there a little bit of that in there? Like, can they not get over that long week against the Ravens? Or it almost feels like something came unhinged during that game against the Ravens, and they haven't got it back, Kurt, since then. And I, I think that they, I think that that long, and I, I don't deny that there's probably some after effects of that. No doubt. I mean, it, you know, having that whole thing moved, you saw the players, they all came out on Twitter. 
They were not happy, like the, no doubt. They were not the, happy. Yeah, felt like they should have played, that they felt like the NFL was sort of favoring Baltimore by delaying this game over and over again. You know, if they're gonna if they're gonna carry this around for the rest of the season, then they're just asking for problems. I mean, the, you know, they had to deal with it early in the season when the NFL moved their game against the Titans and cost them their bye week. But they kept winning and they played good football during all that. I mean, they didn't they didn't come out and complain. They they put their heads down and they won games and they won games convincingly during that stretch. So I don't know if it's because they had to deal with it again and they feel like they've been wronged by the league or whatever it may be. But yeah, they, they just haven't, they weren't, they were not able to, to sort of, sort of put that behind them that they had to move their Thanksgiving game to the following week. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very strange, I mean, even to listen to guys like David DeCastro, who usually is is pretty optimistic and pretty positive. I mean, he just sounds he just sounds like a guy who's kind of defeated that that the world is out to get them and the world is against them this season. I'm sure they get tired of reading about how overrated they are and how Kansas City is the best team in the AFC. You know, I, I don't know. I feel like and I feel like on the other side of that, you have a group of guys on the team, and obviously we base this on being on the outside looking in. You have one group of players who everything that they're talking about is very, very doom and gloom. Um, this is everything that's going wrong. What are we going to do? And then you have another group of young guys on the team that are still out doing TikTok dances all day long and living their best lives. Seriously. And I don't, and I don't know if that's a divide amongst his team that you have one group over here on one side that is so dejected by what has happened over the last three games, and you have another group that just sort of brushes it off and moves on and continues to, to live their life the way they live it, and whatever happens on Sundays happens on Sundays. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a puzzling thing for me to see that kind of that split between you hate to say some of the old guys, but some of the veteran players, Cam Hayward, David DeCastro, these guys that are they're just publicly very hard on themselves, Ben Roethlisberger. And then you got Juju out there dancing on the logo, and you've got Chase Claypool doing doing TikToks and Ray Ray McLeod and, and all these guys and Marcus Allen. I don't know. I, I, I but I wonder if, what the conversations are like between those those two groups of team players during such a, a bad stretch for the team. No doubt about it. And I, I think the Juju dance was harmless probably, and he probably didn't know what he was doing, but the Bills saw it, and Josh Allen was using that in his you know, little pregame speech in the tunnel right before they came out. So, I mean, the Bills noticed it, and as corny as that whole thing is, of, you know, don't dance on our logo, it gave the Bills a little something. And I don't know if you need to be giving the Buffalo Bills a little bit of something when they're at home and you're, yeah. you're in a tough big game. So... Yeah, there's just a lot to unpack from this game. It's This is a very interesting time for the Steelers, this two-game losing streak. And I think this game, the first half with Deontay dropping those couple passes early, Kurt, and then Tomlin sitting him down only for the fir- only for the first half. He brought him back in in the third quarter. I want to talk about that. I think that's a really interesting storyline in this game. Let's get into that coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. 
It's week 15 of the fantasy football season, and if you're listening, that likely means you have advanced in the fantasy football playoffs. I'm Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com, here to help you with some strong plays to get you into the championship round. This one may make gamers uncomfortable, but Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals, is a strong play. In the last seven weeks, five different quarterbacks have at least 22 fantasy points against Arizona, and three of those efforts were good for at least 26 fantasy points. The two bad games came from Cam Newton and Daniel Jones. Hurts, a rookie, made his NFL debut as a starter last week, and he acquitted himself well enough. His major upside comes from his legs, but the game wasn't too big for him in last week's debut. That said, he's best to use in two quarterback setups. Running back Jeff Wilson Jr. at the Dallas Cowboys. The 49ers may be without Raheem Mostert once again with another ankle injury, and Wilson is the likeliest place to turn for the offense that is struggling for a spark after poor quarterback play and the loss of Debo Samuel. Only Houston has allowed more rushing yards per game in 2020, and the position has scored 13 times on the ground versus Dallas. Wilson may struggle to matter without finding the end zone, so understand there is a little bit of a gamble here. Wide receiver Keelan Cole of the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore has given up four touchdowns in his past three outings, and the positional defense has been relatively soft in that time. It ranks 39% easier to exploit than the league average, and nine receivers have at least 10 PPR points against the Ravens in the last four games. Don't be scared off by the name brand of the matchup. Cole benefits from having Gardner Minshew back in the lineup and offers utility as a wide receiver three or a flex in PPR setups. Irv Smith Jr., the Minnesota Vikings versus the Chicago Bears. Prior to missing a few games with various injuries, Smith has flashed a few times, going for 10 points or more in three of the four appearances before getting hurt. He returned in week 11, only to get injured for two more weeks. Then he came back for a line of 4-63-1 against Tampa Bay last week. The Bears are the second weakest defense in the last five weeks at controlling tight ends, and if Kyle Rudolph sits one more time, Smith is a strong play for a touchdown in this divisional matchup. For more fantasy football news, tips, and advice, be sure to check out thehuddle.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Kurt, I could not, I literally could not wait to get on here and uh, record with you this week because I feel like this Deontay Johnson storyline with the drops and the benching and Mike Tomlin kind of sticking to his words. I know he said before the game during the week building up, he said, if you drop the football, you're not going to play. We're going to find somebody you can, right? Who can catch it? And Deontay yeah. has these two bad drops early. And Tomlin, true to his word, sits him down. And I hated the decision. I did. I hated it. I hated it. I just did not love it. First of all, I don't know what kind of message it really sends when you sit down, Deontay, and then say, all right, we're losing in the third quarter. Get back in there, kid. You've learned your lesson. Like, I don't know what kind of message that really sends. I don't know. Yeah. And also, look, Deontay is kind of your best receiver right now. As far as, like, the way you want to run offense and you want Ben to throw it as soon as he catches it in the shotgun – Deontay's one of the most elusive receivers in the game. He can yeah. get open really fast. There's a reason Ben targets him like 10, 12 times a game. He's one of your best players. You saw it in the third quarter when he came back in. He, he kind of gave the offense a little spark that they were missing. I didn't like that thing. I didn't like him sitting him down. Like, I understand why he did it, and I am, I'm with you. I'd like to see more James Washington, but I didn't love him sitting down Deontay Johnson for the rest of that first half. I thought it actually hampered the offense a little bit. They need him out there. So what do you think about that whole thing? 
Well, I think it's especially tough when you see that Mike Tomlin made a point not to play Chase Claypool as much either. Yeah. You know, I think I think I think Tomlin's making a, a point right now to kind of give him a little bit of a break to to kind of rest him because he's a rookie. He he said as much today in his press conference that that they're kind of monitoring him. So you pull Deontay Johnson off the field and then you don't bring Chase Claypool back out and you're you're not happy with Eric Ebron. So your five wide set is now Juju and James Washington and Vance McDonald and Ray Ray McLeod. What are we doing? And a running back, you know, and Jalen Samuels. So I mean it really hit hit in a couple of different ways. I hated seeing Johnson drop those two early passes because you knew that's what was coming. Yeah, I mean, it, you it, knew. It, it angers you in the moment, but at the end of the day, you're like, all right, you hear the bro- – I think on the broadcast, they're like, they should go right back to Deontay Johnson and get his confidence back. And you're over, in the back mm-hmm. of your head, you're like, nope, Tomlin's going to sit him down because he said he was this week, right? You yeah. almost do it. And I hated it. I knew he was going to do it, and I hated it before he did it. But go on. I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off. Well, and, and, and you make a, a great point. If their offense is going to be – Built around eighty percent underneath throws. Johnson's really about the only guy on the on the team who can get separation at, at the line of scrimmage. You know, Judy's got great hands, but he catches the ball with someone on him every time. I mean, right. he he's never clear of his defender. Chase Claypool never really clear of his defender. Johnson's the one guy who can take a, a three yard out and get enough separation that when he catches the football, he can actually run with it after. And so, yeah, even, until you can find another guy that can do that, I don't see how you, you set him down again regardless of, of how he does catch the ball. I, I think that they just have to – but, again, it kind of comes back to what I said earlier. Get Ben Roethlisberger out there on Wednesdays throwing the football to these guys. That's a great point. You know, last week he rest, they gave him extra rest, and the comment was, well, they catch – Randy Feekner said even, – even he came out and said, I hate that Ben takes that extra Veterans Day off and can't throw to these guys – but at least they get to get some catches off the jugs machine. <laughs> and it's like, that's not the same. I mean, you're, you're not get, making your, helping your young fast catchers get better if their quarterback isn't throwing them the ball. Oh, my God. And, I'm, so, and I'm so glad you just said that, Kurt. Not to cut you off. I'm sorry. But that was like my next take, too. And I think Steelers fans will probably hate this. But I don't think Ben's really gunning the ball in there. He's kind of floating them in there sometimes. And yeah. you're going over the middle or you're on the outside on some of these quick throws with the defenders coming in on you, you know Deontay can catch the ball. We all know that. What's, what his mm-hmm. problem is is he's thinking about his next move before he hauls it in. And when you're yeah. going over the middle and you're short and you've got defenders bearing down on you, I want to see Ben zip it in there to him. I don't want to see him yeah. floating these passes. The jugs machine I mean, would be that, great. That's what we want. Yeah. I mean, that pick six, I mean, granted, he was throwing it to Juju, but you know he tried to say that he, he threw that to – to Juju's back shoulder because um, they were in zone and he didn't want to get Juju killed. He was afraid if he led him too far, that outside corner was going to hit him. But if you put that out in front of him, he can make that catch. I mean, you, he threw it literally to the cornerback, throwing it so far to, to Juju's backside shoulder. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that he just doesn't have the, the velocity on his throws. I, I think that that's – you know, even the underneath stuff, the, the the stuff across the middle of that, he's got such good anticipation. That's always been kind of a strength of his. He can, you see some of his best throws. They they'll slow mo from the end zone or whatever, and you see the ball comes out well before the guy's in his break for his his route, and he knows where the guy needs to be. But now 
the ball isn't getting there where he wants it to be. And that's, that's all on him. I mean, that's, that's really all on him. He's got to, he can't be tentative. He can't worry. Am I going to strain my elbow? Am I going to do this? I mean, sometimes you just got to throw it. I mean, you see some of these young quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and, and I hate to give him credit for anything, but like Baker Mayfield, I mean, he makes some bad decisions, but his velocity on his short and intermediate throws, you know, there's several young guys that, that can just put so much heat on that. And Ben used to be that guy. I mean, in 2018, he was that guy. Yeah, he's he's got some things he needs to work on, and he's got getting that work in, taking that extra day off through the week. Not to keep harping on this, but I just hated the decision to bench Deontay. I just feel like physical errors happen. Guys are going to drop balls. You know, the quarterback's going to throw a bad pick six. Defenders are going to, you know, drape over a receiver and give him, take a bad DPI. That's just football, man. That just that just happens. I think mm-hmm. to sit to sit down when your best receivers in a big game and kind of screw your offense over there in the first half to prove a point. I just think Tomlin yeah. really dropped Tomlin dropped the ball. There it is. There's the there's yeah, the part of the go. day there, Kurt. Tomlin his, his drop. Yeah, he dropped yeah. the ball, and you know you take off one of your best receivers, and as we talked about, still nothing to fear in the run game, right? You get James Conner back, yeah. you get Pouncey back, and still seventeen attempts. 47 rushing yards and one thing that i didn't like post game kurt was tomlin talking about well or maybe this was the day after but tomlin talking about well we we've had a lot of short weeks we haven't been able to really fix that yet but it's coming like it's like huh like it's week 15 like can you you should have it fixed by now yeah oh yeah he's he talked today in his press conference several times he was excited to have a full week of of prep and how (laughs) you know he's he's setting the bar pretty high i mean he's he's leaving us to believe we're going to see something pretty magical against the Bengals. Which, those, those vaunted Bengals. I, and I wrote about that. I said, you just wait. There's going to be a false sense of security because they probably are going to come out and score 35 points. And everybody's going to think the world is good again and everything's right and the offense is fixed and they're not going to do anything. They're not going to change anything because they don't have to change anything against the Bengals. And so it's, it's going to lull everybody to sleep thinking, okay, Tomlin figured this out. He's the the magician here, and he's got this sorted out. And then they're going to go in and get that Colts defense, and they're going to get smashed. And that's the that that's my worry is that he's going to make everybody think that this extra day of prep is going to somehow cure all their their ills. You know, I, I was I was went back and watched a couple of games from early in the season when they were when they were running the ball better and 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 those sorts of things. And basically, it's the same guys along the offensive line and, and that sort of thing. But the, the scheme was very different than what they're doing right now. I don't know why they don't feel the need to go back to running some of the concepts they ran early in the season to get the run game going. But clearly, Randy Feetner and Mike Tomlin aren't interested in that. They're not interested in using the jet sweeps and the motion looks and so things strange. like that. Yeah, it's where is that stuff? Uh, where is it? You know, where's, where's Ray Ray on those edges? I mean, Chase Claypool was rushing for touchdowns on those plays early in the season. That's, that's strange. And, and they, we haven't seen them in weeks. We haven't seen any of those kinds of plays in weeks. I don't know. It's it's a mystery to me. 
but I won't be a bit surprised to see him pull out all the stops against Cincinnati and the offense is going to look like, you know, the air raid in college or something. <laughs> and everybody's just going to be so excited that everything's back to normal. They should study Sean McVay's playbook. There's a receiver coming across the formation right as Goff catches, catches the football every single play, it seems. Robert Woods yeah. is coming across the formation and the defense has to account for it. The Steelers just don't yeah. want to do it. So anyway, we wanted the Steelers to hold on to that number one seed as long as possible. Could they get it? Could they hold the Chiefs off? Because we knew they needed that break, right? That week off would have been huge for this team. And uh, right now, their chances are not good at finishing as the number one seed. How bad are their chances? We'll talk about it coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Sportsbook Wire and Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark to break down all you need to know to bet on the Week 15 Monday Night Football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers come in as 12-point favorites on the road, minus 110 odds to win by at least 13 points. Jeff, how does Cincinnati and the Bengals cover this 12-point spread at home? Well, Pittsburgh is very one-dimensional right now. Their running game has fallen off the cliff, and even their wide receivers have been dropping balls. So give me the double digits at home with a division opponent. Also, this could be a quintessential look-ahead spot for Pittsburgh, who's got Indy and Cleveland coming up. They've had tough games leading into this. Steelers, well-coached team with Mike Tomlin, lost two games in a row. They need to get back on track. No better spot to do it than against the Bengals team. They beat 36-10. to 10 in week 10. Give me the Steelers minus 12. They win by two scores. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Kurt, according to 538, one of these many websites that have all these probabilities, which, you know, you could could either believe them or you don't, but I I tend to believe them, especially when they, you know, kind of fit an agenda or whatever. Um, The Steelers now have just a 5% chance of getting a first-round playoff by, probably because of the Chiefs and how good they are and their schedule and probably because they've now, you know, lose, they'll lose a tiebreaker with the Bills. But that's not a good chance, right? And, man, now that's just another another layer we got to tack on here. We know the Steelers had a gauntlet. You know, they had that. They were forced into that early bye week. I think they can have beef with that. We are, we are 100% okay with them having beef with that thing. That, that was a tough break. And now they're going to, you know, they're, gonna go, they're definitely going to be in the playoffs, obviously, but... They're probably not going to get that by. They're going to have to play on that first wild card weekend. So that's tough, right? That's that's definitely not something we can bank on now. They had a great shot at the first round by. Doesn't look like it's happening anymore. No. I mean, at this point with the new playoff structure, it just uh, they, they really can't even think about that because they're, you know, at this point, I think they'll beat Cincinnati, but then you got the Colts and the Browns. Um, say they split with those and they go 2-1 and one to finish the season. The Chiefs have a much easier road to get to there. You know, they've got the Saints, then they've got the Falcons, and then they've got the Chargers. And so 
the, the odds of, of Kansas City losing two of those games, probably not very good. Highly and unlikely. So, yeah, and so, I mean, it, at, at this point, any hopes of having that extra week off based on playoff seeding is probably gone. It's unfortunate. I mean, they were, they were in the driver's seat. Kansas City, you know, a couple of weeks we thought they were going to lose. They, they kind of let some teams stick around too long. I thought Miami was going to beat them last week. That yep. would have been nice. But uh, No lead is safe know, against that team. Yeah. You know, Kansas City just finds a way to score more points than everybody, and that's, that, that's how they're built. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, that's why, you know, Arthur Motes, former Steelers linebacker, he's got a podcast now. He said in his post-game podcast that he thinks that once the Steelers get this Bengals game out of the way, that they should just rest their starters for two weeks. That's an interesting point. Just, yeah. just, just because uh, he makes a great point. Home field advantage really doesn't mean anything when there aren't people in the stands. You know, the idea of getting to play in Pittsburgh when when there's only family and friends in the stadium really doesn't carry a whole lot of weight. And so that part of it's gone. The only difference is, is it might have to do with weather or travel or whatever it may be. Pittsburgh's playoff opponents are all basically East Coast teams anyway, so that's really not a big deal. So, yeah, they may have to find a way to build in some rest for their players on their own, assuming they beat Cincinnati this week. If they don't beat Cincinnati this week, then it's kind of all bets are off because then <laughs> all they're, they're going to yeah, they, find themselves, you know, Staring at the at the Browns, you know. Thankfully, Baltimore found a way to beat Cleveland yesterday, so you know that that definitely helps hold on to that AFC North title. But uh, yeah, the, the, if the Bengals game goes sideways, which the, the, no no denying it could, I mean, it could go sideways. I mean, anything could happen—a big injury or something like that. You know, then, then they'd have to make those decisions. Personally, I think from a Mike Tomlin point of view. Um, he's going to play Cincinnati, and he's going to play the Colts, and then he's going to see where he is. You know, I, I think we, I think that'll be kind of how they'll they'll handle this. Um, let let Kansas City get that Saints game out of the way. Um, let them get that Falcons game out of the way, and then kind of see where they are. Uh, if, if for some reason they can they can tie them back up, maybe maybe they. Uh, they go ahead and push forward for that that number one seed, but I think I think the numbers guys are probably probably right on at this point that it's a long shot for them to to get that number one spot in the playoffs. Yeah, and I feel you with the Bengals. I mean, I don't want to overlook them, but the the Steelers are twelve and a half point favorites on the road in this game. <laughs> this, this should be a layup, right? But I agree with you. The uh, the Colts and at Cleveland at the end. I mean. Man, yeah. these are interesting games. And if you watch Cleveland on Monday night, that was a fun little game. And and that team is they're not perfect. They're kinda of like the Steelers. They're not perfect, but they can they can be fun to watch when they got it rolling. There's no doubt about yeah. it. So I agree with you. If they split Colts Cleveland, you gotta wonder if they'll end up the three seed Kurt, right? Because this, this Bills team is kind of for real. I could see the Bills winning out. They're gonna have yeah. to beat Bill Belichick twice in one season to do that. So we'll see if they can pull that yeah. off. Also, they have to get through the Denver Broncos, which is eating the AFC East for breakfast. The Broncos have beating. They, they can't beat many teams, Kurt, but they can beat the Dolphins, Jets, and Patriots. They're going for the they, AFC they, East sweep. Yeah, <laughs> they find a way. Yeah, so uh, so maybe the Steelers could actually could they could never mind the one seed. They could drop to number three because the Bills. Yeah, the Bills look kind of good. Uh, I mean, that's a we saw probably th- that second half. 
that that kind of showed us where Josh Allen and that Buffalo Bills team is. They, they're no joke. Yeah. yeah, they're they're a lot like Pittsburgh. I mean, they they rely heavily on their quarterback, and he came through for him. He made some great throws, made some great plays where he extended the play. Pass rush was breathing down on him. I mean, Stephon Diggs made some some grown man runs after some catches. Yep. Um, and and Tomlin said it in today's press conference. We he said we don't like to throw this this term around very often. He said, but they were more physical than us. You know, he he typically doesn't like to give a team that kind of credit, but he was he readily admitted Buffalo was more physical than them. And boy, they they beat him up in the second half. Yeah, I don't like to hop on these double-digit spreads too often, but I, I have a feeling the Steelers are going to beat up the Bengals, and I don't know if we're going to learn much. You know what I mean? Like, right. they're going to beat the crap out of the Bengals this weekend. We're not. We're really not going to know what's going on entering that yeah. game against the Colts. So, I, nope. I kind of feel like that's care. where we're at. Yeah. If they just stay healthy, you know, if they if they can just beat them and still stay healthy, you know, don't lose any more players. That's the. If they come out of there with with more injuries, but we're not going to know if the run game they could run for 150 yards on Cincinnati, and that doesn't mean the run game's fixed. I mean that's the that's the reality of it. That's Kurt Popejoy. Check him out on the Steelers Wire. We'll be back next week. Thanks for joining us. This USA Today Sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.